We want to continue our uh, series in, uh, in the Old Testament, walking through God's surprising ways, our surprise series this morning. So I'm going to take you uh, to Judges chapter 2 today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Judges chapter 2. God's surprising ways. Uh, I love our family emphasis today, and, and there are a lot of kids in the service today. And Kids, let me just say this to you. At the end of the day, I want you to see how big God is. I want you to see how powerful, how strong, how unique, how uh, how incredible our God is, that literally there is nothing greater than our God, no one greater than our God. And God uses men and he uses women, he uses children, he uses all kinds of people to accomplish his will, and sometimes in very surprising ways. Let's stand together as we read God's Word, beginning in Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, which is a text that we'll just use to set up the story of Deborah. Now, we've looked at uh, three women so far, including Deborah and two men, and our series uh, called Surprise is going to deal with five women altogether and four men as God works in their lives in, in just unusual ways. And Deborah is one of those, but I need to set this up for you today. I'm reading out of the uh, ESV version of the Bible. I'm trying that out. Some of you have asked me a question about what translation am I using. Uh, English Standard Version is what I'm using these last couple of uh, three weeks. And just trying this out. Don't uh, do anything with your Bibles. Hold on to them. And um, I'll let you know if I make a, a permanent change. But Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. So Joshua, the strong leader that led the children of Israel, into the land of promise and saw many victories has died. Now notice the next line. They buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, Heros, and in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to understand the gravity of that background. That a generation would arise who did not know you is a travesty. It's unthinkable. And yet, the ability to communicate who you are to the next generation is ours. And the responsibility is ours. And Father, I ask you today to raise us up, to use us in a powerful way so that the next generation will not forget who you are and will embrace you. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. If I had to give you a main idea today for this message, it would be that God delivers his people from surprising problems through surprising people in surprising ways. That's what the surprise series is all about. Because when we see how God works in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we're surprised. We're surprised by how God uses certain people and by how powerfully one person can be used. So we look today at the life of Deborah. Last couple of weeks, we've looked at Abigail. We've looked at Rahab, the harlot. We looked at Elijah. Today, we're looking at this woman, Deborah, who eventually you'll see led an army to battle. It's a powerful picture of how God could use an individual. But I want us to stop for just a moment and realize that these are examples for people 
like you and I to know that God can use us in supernatural ways and you never know what God's going to do, but you do know he is an active deliverer. God has demonstrated himself to be an active deliverer. He does that for us today in the way of salvation. He does that for us in the way of any kind of rescue that we need in our life. He is an active deliverer who works through people in surprising ways and works with surprising people to deliver us from surprising problems. So as we look at that today, keep in mind that in this particular case, he's using a great woman named Deborah. You know, I've, I've read a lot about great women of God and great women in general in, his, in history and in the Bible. And there are some key lines that these women have uttered, have said, that kind of sets them apart because they backed up what they said. For example, Joan of Arc once said, I'm not afraid, I was born to do this. If I die, I die. And then you have Esther in the Bible. And Esther said, pray for me as I approach the king, for it is not the law, but I will speak to him. And if I perish, I perish. Incredible courage, incredible boldness that they trusted God for to do something that God raised them up to do. And God used them. God, as an active deliverer, used them to bring freedom to his people. So as we unfold in Judges chapter 4, the whole story of Deborah, let me just kind of demarcate a few points for you one by one to see how this thing unfolds. Because it's a great story. All of chapter 4 of Judges, it's the story of Deborah and Barak and the delivery that God gave them uh, from the hands of an uh, evil ruler, an evil military power. But chapter 5 is the song where they sing the song afterwards, where we, where we look back at all the victory that God had brought them, and they rejoice, and they began to tell the story in song. So we'll look both in chapter 4 and in chapter 5. But let's just start in chapter 4, the first three verses together. And let's just remember that God is consistently doing this in our life. Notice first that the problem is surprisingly large. Judges 4, verse 1. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. Now, this is one of the judges that had kept the children of Israel focused on the Lord, but he died, and then they turned into this almost never-ending cycle of running from God. And the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hashereth, Hakoyim. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, and notice this, for he had 900 chariots of iron and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Think about the, the situation they're in. Think about the problem, how big it is. We name a couple of things here. First of all, 20 years of bondage. Secondly, this military commander is a man that had 900 iron chariots. Now, I want you to try to think about what that looked like in that day and time. An iron chariot was one of those weapons of war that few had and nobody literally could be rescued from an army of chariots like that. Think with me, if you would, uh, about the, the movie, The Saving of Private Ryan. And think about the tank scene where that huge tank creeps through town and no weapon can really destroy that tank. That's all how we have these iron chariots. And we see how big the problem is for the people in that day and that time. Not just a chariot or two, but 900 iron chariots. It's a huge problem, surprisingly large, in bondage for 20 years. How are they going to get out? The truth is, we're in that kind of a problem over and over, and the whole theme of Judges is about people that walk away from God who do not pass their faith on to the next generation, and they become in ruins. 
As I read the book of Judges over and over, I see a crazy cycle of sin. And that crazy cycle of sin has some very consistent components to it. You know, we begin walking with the Lord when God rescues us. And that's how it was for the children of Israel. He was consistently rescuing them. But then after a period of time, after a period of peace, and after a period of, of being rescued by God and walking with God, people began to get their eyes off of the Lord and they began to run from God. And as they run from God, they turn their back on God. In this case, they began to run after false gods, after Baal and worship him. And before long, the Lord allowed them to be disciplined and they came to ruin. So there is the rescue where God gives us rescue and deliverance. And then there is the run where we run away from God. And then there is ruin that takes place in the life of the Israelites until they come back to cry out to the Lord and they return to the Lord asking him to rescue them, and then he rescues them. And that cycle happens over and over and over in the book of Judges. Unfortunately, that cycle happens over and over and over in the lives of men and women today, doesn't it? We come to the place where we have been rescued by God and we begin to take God for granted and so we run. We run the other way. We do things our way. We choose life our way. And before long, we're in ruin because our world falls apart. It disintegrates. Things aren't going well. All of a sudden, God is not answering our prayers. All of a sudden, he seems distant to us and our lives are literally in ruin until we return to the Lord. And when we return to the Lord, God is faithful and graceful. He has loving kindness and he rescues us. But that cycle goes over and over and over. It's a crazy cycle because God's grace and God's love is never ending. But unfortunately, so is our self-destructiveness. And every generation, every single generation seems to have to learn that painful cycle often more than once. Unfortunately, we have to learn that as individuals as well, don't we? We have to learn that you can't run from the Lord and avoid ruin. And we have to realize that when we're in ruin, we have to return to the Lord. And when we return, he rescues again and again. I'm thankful for a God who rescues us when we're in ruin. I'm thankful for a God who hears us when we call. But we all know what that experience is like as individuals. We all know what that experience is like as we read the Bible. And we even know what that experience is like as a nation. My prayer is that our nation would return to God. My prayer is that our people would return to God, that you and I would return with a whole heart to God. And that's exactly what the prayer of those who led the way in Israel in that day. The problem was surprisingly large. The plan was surprisingly simple. So the people began to cry out to God again. And God uses this woman named Deborah. Look in Judges chapter 4, verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labadoth was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh Naphtali and said to him, has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 people of the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots, 900 chariots and troops, and I will give him into your hand. A surprisingly simple solution. You say, well, life is not that simple. It's a little bit more complicated. And I have to agree with you that, that life and our problems seem more complicated than that. But I will tell you that often our problems are complicated and our journey is messed up because we've left out the God factor. 
Life is not complicated when we have the God factor. Life is not complicated when we listen to the Lord and when we do what he says do. And this is what Deborah was raised up in her generation to do, to speak on behalf of the Lord. But most of the time, our plans are complicated. We even think we have a better way than God has, but we're missing the mark completely. I read this comment some time ago by an old preacher named J. Vernon McGee, and he once said, this is God's universe, and God does things his way. You may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. <laughs> you may think your way might work well in your little world, but God's ways are his ways because of the size of the universe and the size of the problem. It's better to go with God's ways. And God's ways are always more simple than we think. When we hear God, things get amazingly simple. Now, we always struggle to believe God for the unlikely, the unusual, the things that we've never seen before because our boundaries as to how to be rescued are, are very narrow. We see things one way, but God gives us unlikely things to do, and then God works through those unlikely things. We struggle to believe it, but God raises up people who speak it so clearly that it's undeniable. And this was Deborah. The Bible describes Deborah, as we've looked at these verses, as a prophetess. She was one that listened to God and spoke for God. Now, a prophetess or a prophet doesn't live for long in the Old Testament time because if a prophet spoke for God about something future and it did not come to pass, they were put to death. So a prophet has a very short career if he misses God or if she misses God. But here's a woman that is continually a prophetess during this period of time. She is hearing from God, and she is speaking for God in an accurate way, and that's why she remains at her post under that tree judging Israel. So she, first of all, is a prophetess. She knows how to listen to God and hear God. Secondly, she's a wife. So here's a woman that knows something about the home, about raising a family, about walking with a husband, Here's a woman that knows something about hearing God and being a wife. And then finally, the Bible says she is a judge. God raised her up for this amazing job of judging the people of Israel in their disputes. Every time God's people ran from God, God would raise up a judge to bring them back to God. And God was using Deborah. You know what I love about this text is that, that Deborah and the way the Scripture words her role it's mentioned in such a way where it's not a shocker, it's not a surprise, it doesn't even look unusual. Women have prominent leadership roles all the way through the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And really the powerful thing about Deborah is not that she's a woman, but that she seems to be the one person in Israel who's well connected to God. Bottom line here, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It does matter whether you're well connected to God. Amen? It really matters whether you hear from God and are sensitive to God and you listen to God. Now listen to this. This is what Deborah did. This, Deborah was listening to the Lord. She was exercising wisdom and she believes God. That's a one, two, three punch. First, listening to God. Second, exercising wisdom. And thirdly, believing God. It takes courage to even speak about this plan. Now, I, I forgot to mention to you that the people in Israel did not have a standing army. We're going to read later on the 10,000 constituted the army of Israel, but if you read chapter 5, they didn't have swords, they didn't have spears, they didn't have experience in waging war. 
So this woman is going to speak to a nation that's been under bondage for 20 years. They don't have a ready army. There are 900 chariots of iron that Sisera is driving in order to annihilate them. And she's going to stand up and she's going to say, I have heard from God. He tells me to bring 10,000 soldiers out to the valley and we're going to knock this Sisera off his chariots. Now that's either crazy or bold. But the people believed her it was boldness and courage. Let me just say today to you, no matter how crazy it sounds, this woman was raised up to do this very thing in Israel. And I want to say to you, do what you were raised up to do. Do what you were called to do. And don't worry about how wild the plan is. If you've heard from God, it's very, very important for you to speak for God the accurate words that God gives you. So here's a woman that is willing to stand up and speak for God because she's heard from God. And whenever she does that, it's life-changing. And whenever we do that, it's a life-changing thing. Just be sure you've heard from God before you speak from God. Thirdly, I want you to notice the people are surprisingly bold. As this battle prepares and unfolds, we see how bold the people will become as a result of her exhortation. In verse 8, the Bible says that Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Here's the guy that's leading the army. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the woman will sell Sisera into the hand, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Now, she's not referring to herself. Very easily in the Hebrew language, it could have said, the Lord is selling Sisera into my hands, but she doesn't say that, and you'll know why in just a moment. Into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali, two of the tribes and their people, to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. The people are surprisingly bold because of her influence. It's interesting that the army had not congregated yet. Interesting that Barak had not done anything yet. Interesting that at her influence and at her hearing the word of the Lord, all of a sudden this army materializes. Now there's a tendency for us to think of Barak as somewhat of a weak man, either weak in faith or weak in influence. But we can't really do that if we read the whole Bible because Hebrews chapter 11 calls him in the hall of faith a man of great faith. He by faith quelled the chariots, the scripture says. So there was some factor that was added to Barak in order for him to do what he was called to do. I've heard it said that Deborah stepped up because a man wouldn't step up. But that's not what the scripture actually says. What it does say is that he saw her influence and he knew he needed her help to lead that military battle. He's asking her, do you really believe this? He's asking her, will you help me do what God says do? He sees her influence, and he's right on target. Notice this. She doesn't call him out. She calls him up. As she calls his faith to look to God, and what an amazing impact that has because he responds well. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but faith needs encouragement. Faith needs assistance. Sometimes we need to come along someone that believes God and that believes what God is doing, but they need to be urged forward. They need to be told, you can do this if God has caused you to do this. They need someone to shout encouragement. They need someone's influence to be lent to them so that others will be able to see that. And I want to tell you today, call someone up. 
Call someone up. Your job is not to call them out, but call them up. Call them up to believe God. Call them up to see great things that God can do. Tell them they can do this because God and Christ is in them. We need to be called up. We need to be brought out of discouragement sometimes to obey the Lord and to do the things that, that only we can do because we're called. I can't tell you the number of times that God has blessed me with voices of encouragement over the years. And they just come alongside or behind me and they say, go for it, go for it. What God has caused you to do, do it. Be encouraged. Go strong. We need that. And she gave that. So I've got this picture now. Since I seem to be seeing in movie scenes today, Saving Private Ryan, then Braveheart. And I'm seeing all these soldiers, and I'm seeing all these warriors, and I'm seeing this woman sitting on a horse next to Barack, riding into battle. That's what it looked like with these words right here. And 10,000 men, 10,000 men came from Zebulun and Naphtali, those two regions, and it's a moment of great inspiration and great courage and great faith. In fact, if we jumped ahead a little bit to the song of celebration that Barak and Deborah sang after the battle is over, chapter 5, verse 2, there's a line there I want you to see. And they open the song with this line, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. The leaders led, the people volunteered, bless the Lord. That's what happens when leadership is given. People come alongside. They're encouraged. They're built up. And people step up and say, let's take this hill. Let's take this battle. Because God has placed the battle in front of us. I want you to know today, you've got a battle in front of you always. Every believer has a battle in front of them. Whatever that hill is, whatever that battle is, look for words of encouragement. And then step out in faith at what God has called you to do. The people are surprisingly bold. It's a moment of incredible courage for Israel as a whole nation. And then they go forth to battle. I want you to see finally, the battle is surprisingly one-sided. In fact, when you see this war unfold, you're going to be amazed at what God actually does. Chapter 4, verse 11. Now Heber the Kenite had separated from the Kenites and the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tents as far away as the yoke in Zaananim, which is near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all of his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with them, from Herosheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. Aren't you glad I know how to pronounce these words well? I'm glad you don't know the correct pronunciation, so if I get it wrong, nobody in the room knows. <laughs> because I probably have gotten a few of them wrong. Verse 14, And Deborah said to Barak, Up, see, she's calling him up, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and his chariots and all of his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. Verse 16 says he's the only one left alive. Wow. That's pretty quick. And it's pretty convincing. You know, I'm amazed at how often when children of Israel obey God and go to war... The battle is so one-sided. See this crew of 10,000 coming down off the mountain, full of faith and confidence, 
About this point, they know how the Lord is going to bring about the victory. 900 chariots in the brook Kishon, which was dry bed river. And the rain begins to come down. Now, the reason I know that is because I read on. All right, in chapter 5, we find that this rain is beginning to fall. In Judges chapter 5, verse 4, the song says, Lord, when you went from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. If I'm talking about a rain, and I didn't use the phrase, the clouds dropped water. We're talking about a deluge. We're talking about a rush, a torrent of water. But if you go to chapter 5, verse 20, it says this. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon, march on my soul with my. So now they're singing about the victory that God has given them. And they said the rain began to come and that dry river became full of water and the torrent swept the iron chariots away. It's a river filled with water. The chariots are sunk into the mire. And literally it says that heaven and earth fought on behalf of Israel and the battle was over. God has a way of dealing with chariots, doesn't he? Remember the Egyptians coming after Israel when they were turned loose from bondage in the Exodus? Remember the parting of the sea and the chariots going down into the water and the waters coming back over the chariots? God just has a way of making all the enemy's tools be of no effect at all. We need to remember this. When God calls us to battle, all heaven and all earth will fight on our behalf if we're walking with the Lord. All heaven and all earth. Remember what the scripture says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Or in the book of Psalms, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. The picture we have over and over is that the people of faith are not afraid of all the artillery of the enemy because they know something about how big their God is. Because they realize God is able to do above and beyond what we can possibly ask or think because God always comes to rescue us when we need rescue. Listen to this. The Bible and the battle is always one-sided when we hear God, trust God, and follow God. Now they're down to one man, this enemy is, Sisera. Now this man had raped, pillaged, plundered, and murdered God's people. And now he's running alone and he's begging for his life. In, cha in fact, chapter 4 and verses 16 and following, we find him running away to the tent of a woman named Jael. This is the second prominent woman we find in this story. I don't know all of Jael's talents and gifts. She's not a prophetess like Deborah. The Bible doesn't call her a judge like Deborah. But she's a wife of a man that we know travels as a result of their lifestyle. She knew how to drive a tent peg into the ground. She knew how to take a spike, and she knew how to take a hammer. I don't know how beautiful she was, I don't know how wise she was, but I know she had strong forearms. <laughs> God used her strong forearms in that moment in a way to seal the battle. Verse 21 has it. It's rated PG-13. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand 
And she went softly to him. She'd allow him to come into the tent. She covered him with a cloth and went to sleep. She went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. I like these last three words as though they need to be said. So he died. I'll bet he did. Quickly. So God uses this woman, Jael, to end the battle. And he ended it completely right there through her. It's really amazing how God uses different people in different ways. When they recognize their role, what they're supposed to do, and when they're supposed to do it, when they stay in God's order and do it the way God is calling them to do it, victory happens. Now, I want to say this to you today. All of us have different roles. All of us have different gifts. But we're all called of God. And we're all called of God to make sure, among other things, that we remember the size of our God and the power of God in our life, but also that we remember to pass on stories and truths about our God to the next generation. It's going to be a while before the children of Israel forget how big God is now because of this amazing victory that God gives them. Now, with all these heroes that we look at, Deborah, Barak, Jael, do you know how the Bible summarizes this chapter in this battle? Look at verse 23. It summarizes the battle by saying, So God subdued on that day the king of Canaan before the sons of Israel. So God gave them the victory. Let me just tell you that this is always God. The passage of Scripture is always about God. God uses Deborah. God uses Barak. God uses Jael. But it's really about God. It's about what God does. It's about how God leads. It's about how big God is, how powerful God is to fight the battles that we have to fight, to be able to walk by faith from generation to generation. Let me just tell you today, this story tells you that there is no problem too big for your God. This story tells you today that you ought to be called up to walk by faith and believe God. This story today tells you there is no limit. There's no limit to what God can do. If you're on his side, he will move heaven and earth to accomplish the victory in your life. Believe God, trust God, obey God, follow God. We've got to believe him. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan. That's thousands of years ago. It's really amazing how God continues to secure the victory for us. Did you know that he sent his own son to be born of a virgin, to be laid in a manger? In the most unlikely way, God came to meet all of us in our need. In the most unlikely way, this boy, Jesus, grew up in absolute perfection, always pleasing his father, never disobeying. And the Bible says that he laid his life down on the cross. And the scripture tells us, he that knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Bible says about Jesus as it foretells his birth, all the way back in the book of Genesis, that he's going to bruise the head of the serpent. Far more than a tent peg, Jesus completely delivered us from the power of Satan and the power of death. He's the hero of every story. And he's the one you need to come to today. He is your victor. He's the one that fights your battles. You want to know him well. 
And over these next few moments, if you've never had that opportunity to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who one day will come back on a white charger proclaiming victory over all, then meet him today. Meet him today. What Deborah did, what Jael did, is nothing in comparison to what Jesus did. And he invites you today to come to him. I want you to stand wherever you are. I'm going to ask our counselors to come to the front. They're always here to pray with you. They're always here to answer questions you may have. They're always here to encourage you. And as they come and as they face you, I'm going to close this out in prayer. And I want to say this to you today. If you're a guest, I would love to invite you to our guest reception room. I would love to be able to talk to you and share a little bit about what God is doing in our church. But I also want you to make that spiritual decision first that you can make in this room. So as we bow in prayer, you think, is it important for me today to move out of the room quickly? Or is it more important for me to linger for just a few moments and walk forward and look at someone waiting for me to talk to and say, can I pray with you? Will you help me make this decision? Because I want to walk with the God of Deborah and Barak. I want to walk with the God of Jael. I want to know that God. Father, in Jesus' name today, thank you. Thank you for great battles, great victories. Thank you for overwhelming odds that take place that we can see, that we can know about, so that we can believe you are great and mighty and powerful. That's who you are, God. Thank you that even in those times when people have run from you, you have shown your grace and your mercy by allowing them to return to you. And today, I pray that people will return to you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that people that do not know you or who have never had a relationship with you today would say, I want a relationship with that one, with that God. So today, God, I give this day to you and this invitation time to you. Move in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.